The Beauty Biz, brought to you by serial entrepreneur and aesthetic clinic chain founder, Esther Fieldgrass. Your regular insider peek into the beauty and wellness industry. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Biz. I'm Esther Fieldgrass and I'm thrilled to be here today for my first ever podcast. As this is my first podcast, I want to start with someone special. Over the last 11 years of running my aesthetics clinic, CF Medispa, the most pressing questions and queries that we get asked are about skincare and how important it is. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Aisha Awad from Medico Beauty, a company that distributes skin treatments, including an American range called Cosmetics. It's a brand we've been using within my clinics for the past 11 years, and it's a brand which I love and have great faith in. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Aisha. Well, thank you, Esther. I have to say that with the work that we do in you know, the industry in terms of helping people improve the appearance of their skin, we've always been outside of the box. So for you to start this podcast and to invite me as your first guest, I thought, well, you know, here's the day has arrived. We are taking on global wellness, global beauty. And anyone who's out there, you know, I'm so delighted that You've come to this podcast because it is unusual to find people who are actually willing to come into the public domain and speak about their experience in such an intimate way. And I think this is the one thing about how we approach well-being and uh, skin health as well, is that we've always been very focused on education. But with the pioneering work that you do, you can't always have all the answers And I think that that's why a discussion is needed, because there really is no one way to achieve good health and good skin. It's actually a process. It's a pathway that we we follow. It's a journey. It's strange now because today we just take for granted the fact that health and beauty are considered to be closely related. At the time when we first started and you started, Um, It was completely unheard of. And if you had any issue in terms of your health, um, most people would go see a doctor and they would be prescribed some kind of medication. So this whole notion of using the natural world to actually improve your skin or improve your health, it was seen as being something that was too fluffy and ineffective. So we were actually the first to recognize that nature provides a lot of the most effective solutions to our everyday concerns. And um, we also wanted, because we had patients, you know, in our own practice who were very keen to look good without looking like they were having anything done. So they didn't want to appear like they had had any sort of surgery or any type of skin procedure. We knew that there was definitely a demand for achieving that natural look, um, but without causing any what we call downtime. Yeah, I I remember when um, I first started with you, we were doing much more about internal health for external beauty. And in that point in time, we're talking a lot more about the system being more alkaline. We were, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I suppose to then, just as like today, there are a lot of people with uh, acne, I'm not talking about acne scarring right now, but just pure acne that didn't know how to deal with it. And it was all age groups. It was all great. And even today, it's no different. No, so, I suppose yeah. not, you know. So, so you healthy, to... healthy skin is basically you are what you eat. Yeah. 
And the building blocks to every cell in your body comes from the food that you eat, but also the systems within your body. So let's say your digestive health would be connected to your skin health. So if you look at someone who's jaundice, you know, clearly they have an issue with their liver. They go yellow. And it's just that close relationship that we know, Okay, we can actually diagnose and look more closely at the kind of individual makeup of that person by just looking at their skin. We often don't have to run very expensive uh, blood work and tests. Um, if you're running an integrated practice as well, like you said, and you're looking at women's health, you're looking at hormone health, thyroid function, um, any of the kind of issues that can cause um, problems with people's skin, you know, you do have to take an integrated approach. And the thing with advanced skin health restoration is that it's actually a very simple um, approach to, to good health and good skin. It's not more than what probably the general public are doing already. And everyone's been told if you want to age well and have good skin, you need to cleanse, tone and moisturize. And I'm probably the first person to spin that on. Well, we were we were the first people to spin that on its head and actually say, hang on a minute, let's take a closer look at the ingredients that are actually in your products because they're manufactured by companies that are obviously in the business of selling lots of skincare, but they're not in the business necessarily of giving you healthy skin. So that was quite, at the time, revolutionary. Yeah, We was. upset a few people, I remember. Yes, I remember. I remember you. wrestling a few bottles of moisturizer out of people's hands that were <laughs> slightly in shock. Do you think the American yeah. market is actually ahead of us? We had to go to America because no one was willing to think outside of the box. When you were in the UK, there were a few kind of mad professors around and we definitely attended some medical meetings where, you know, things were being thrown up in the air and there was always um, sort of the latest antioxidant and there was, you know, all kinds of talk of um, these revolutionary drugs that were being offered for keeping you youthful. But it was really only until we got to America that we met the chemists and the people that were able to simplify the pathway. And that was really when we found cosmetics. That was what changed so much like our approach in practice, because up until that point, the treatments that you offered people that came from, let's say, the old days of doing, you know, skin treatments that were considered more medical, like chemical peels, for example, they were so aggressive and old fashioned, actually, that um, it just it felt like we were, you know, speaking, we were talking the talk, but we weren't necessarily able to walk it yet. So, yes, the Americans are ahead mm. and people who are even younger that are called biohackers. So people in their, thir- you know, sort of mid 30s like myself and um, they are looking online. They're pre- they're not wanting to go down the conventional route of taking medications, uh, they want to, you know, use diet, exercise to actually chemically change their body. And actually, what's really surprised me the most is that I think there's a free thinking sort of movement um, amongst men, actually, more than anything, because their performance in work and, you know, the way that they feel in terms of being an athlete 
Um, these are all kind of techniques that also improve their appearance. So if you want to age well, you obviously want to be, you're going to be athletic as well. And um, that's, I think, kind of one of the biggest surprises for me. Is it? Yeah. I find some of the men today are taking a lot of steroids and that doesn't really work well for their skin so much. Yeah, that's a downside. That's a downside. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of ladies are coming in and mm. they've read so much, you know, they're quite savvy um, about skin and mm. skin care. So mm. do you ever find that you've got ladies coming in kind of thinking they know more, they've read something which isn't quite right? I think that we are, as a whole, we are trying to decipher a lot of information at the same time. And I think that what changes for people when they come and they have a consultation or when they get the insight from an expert is that what they often describe as being a problem, like a skin problem, is actually a feeling they have about their skin. If you have a tight sensation after cleansing, you may feel, I need a moisturizer. But we know differently because we understand skin function. We understand things that are important in terms of the health of the skin, what I call the barrier function. So can you imagine how... You know, that person who shops, who's out there, you know, the person that you're just probably describing, who has an array of 27 different types of moisturizers already in their cupboard, they are lost. And I think that I probably feel more empathy and more, you know, compassion for someone who's kind of coming across as a know-all. And I think that really the sensations they have in their skin are just red alert. It's just all red alert signals for me. Okay, so, okay. yeah. So let's talk a bit more mm. about cosmetics. I mean, yeah. cosmetics is a cosmeceutical. So when we're talking about cosmeceuticals, as opposed to to what's actually out there in places like, I don't know, Boots or Harrods or wherever. Well, it sort of comes back to this um, process of advanced skin health restoration. So we know we need to repair the skin by reversing the damage that's happened due to inflammation. That could be from sunlight, environmental factors, internal. So there's a corrective process that takes place. It's similar to having a software in your computer, which no longer functions in a good way, in a healthy way. So that results in you seeing all these symptoms like discoloration and lines and so on. So there are families of ingredients that are proven and they don't just have like, you know, studies that are 25 years or these are 40 year old studies that have been conducted by multiple laboratories and uh, the, the actual research is very sound. So what changes between, let's say, using a cosmeceutical line and using a skincare line is that we're actually more focused on the treatment outcome. We need we need treatments. We need something that's going to deliver a result. Whereas a skincare line is more about the feeling and the sensation. And they might may have like a token amount of a, an ingredient that's been found to work. But it's not at a strength that will actually make any physiological changes to your skin. Now, the issue with cosmeceuticals is that it's such a gray area because it's it's like sort of technically a drug but where we have advanced it's a bit like computers and our phones sometimes the actual legislation and the the way that we view products is outdated you know from a kind of government perspective and this is where back in you know 2003 everything got turned on its head because all of a sudden we didn't need a doctor's prescription any longer to access these drugs. And since that time, the investment in ensuring that the research continues has actually gone up 
and even more so now today there are more revolutionary ingredients and products coming out all the time and I don't think we've ever been in a better time to access better skin but I think where the missing link comes is actually the knowledge of how to use these ingredients for you personally how they work on in your skin yeah mm. yeah I kind of agree with that I mean t- today we talk a lot about um what is new within the industry mm. and one of the things that I've been able to bring over and look at is a lot of epidermal growth factors for yes. America mm. um, they don't seem to have that so much in the UK or I haven't seen it coming out of the UK so mm. much how how is your feeling about the growth factors do you think there's going to be more and more of this yeah of course <laughs> I think uh, growth factors just to explain to people if you injure your skin there are I'm sure like anyone who's into advanced skincare may have seen products described as stem cell or stem factor and it's just really it's actually describing um, not what's actually in the product because you can't put a stem cell into the product but you can capture some of the chemicals that are released that actually signal to the skin to repair and recover itself so anyone that gets injured on an oven if you burnt your hand we know the skin can recover itself and that's what we're always trying to actually trick the skin into doing itself so some of the active ingredients we use even like vitamin A for example is shown to do that the difference with growth factors is it's we know that they're effective. They were sort of first used because of wounds and wanting to improve the quality of skin that people saw after having quite serious injuries, like, you know, third degree burns. Um, The difficulty is that there are lots of ways to generate growth factors. It's not just with a cream that you're applying onto the surface. And I would question sometimes even though it says it has growth factor on it, on, on the bottle, the actual um, communication of that ingredient on the surface to the living layer of the skin can, you know, sometimes be blocked by different things. So there's lots of uh, important things to consider in terms of the overall formulation. And in my opinion, I've been using growth factors myself for a number of years. I love them. I like to use a growth factor serum in combination with other things. I love microneedling and I would actually say microneedling is probably one of the best ways to generate your own growth factors without having to question whether it's going to be effective or not. So, you know, your uh, clinics will offer microneedling treatments and it's a roller that you can use on the surface of the skin that creates these little micro channels and the needles are literally half the you know size of a hair and that will actually not just allow active ingredients to get into the skin but it will also kickstart the release of many different hundreds of growth factors um, so it's a huge benefit actually because when you use a growth factor serum even if it's human derived you can only capture a certain number of growth factors in that product whereas when you're using microneedling and if you do it consistently you will be continually getting like the full orchestra of benefits and I just I mean I don't think I can get enough of it so yeah <laughs> I mean we've been using the system for years it's, yeah. it's a system I will actually call wounding to heal mm. and from that the skin actually does repair itself much faster it does yeah and you see a lot of benefits from mm. it something that we actually use a lot when we're doing uh, acne scarring 
Yeah. Yes. So I know for us, um, we do a lot of things for acne scarring, Mm. including using laser. Mm. But I've been using for years the cosmetics peels Mm. for acne scarring and having great results. Mm. You know, is anything new coming out in the peels? There's always something new coming out in peels. So our peels would be different to traditional peels, number one. So a, a normal solution that you get that sort of probably something that's found in the majority of clinics um, would be a chemical peel that exfoliates the surface of the skin. Our treatments are blended, so they use stimulating ingredients that actually build the skin from within, and that boosts the amount of collagen and elastin, and then also improves the colour and shrinks pores. So it's sort of like an all-in-one Um, treatment. So if you have acne scarred skin or even if you have dry, sensitized or another condition called rosacea where you get a lot of redness and flushing and dry, dry skin, you can see benefits from using peels. Now, when it comes to peels that, you know, we see as being more advanced, Uh, A lot of it has to do with, you know, the ingredients. So today we use not just acids, we use peptides as well. And peptides are a very safe way to generate a boost in collagen and to improve the health of the skin without actually causing any downtime or any irritation. So a lot of peptides and peels now, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people have this terrible feeling that, and it's not with all peels, but mm. the, their skin is just literally going to peel off their face. Yeah. Now, we do have some peels where that actually does happen, mm. uh, where it actually comes off in layers. Yeah. But a lot of the peels that we use in cosmetics will yeah. actually just give you a glowing, radiant skin. What yeah. about for things like um, sun pigmentation or melasma? Yeah, I've noticed like it's quite interesting what you said about, you know, how people want to see instant results. And, you know, everyone's pigmentation will vary. You could have pigmentation that you've had on your face for the last 25 years or it may just be you know after having a summer holiday that you've got very superficial brown discoloration on your skin so we vary the treatment depending on how deep that pigmentation is and if you're wanting something to freshen your skin then it's very straightforward you can you know instead of having a facial treatment done you can just have a treatment that uses more active ingredients like the ones from cosmetics Um, And I think the thing with pigment, though, is that with darker skins, because we see a lot of Asian and black skin as well, they don't realize the color of their skin that they see on their face is so far away from the color of the skin on their body. So we often have to do a series of treatments um, and the results are always fantastic. But it's sort of a surprise even for them that they can safely have, (laughs) you know, even have a peel done because they think the peels are really only suitable for people who have a fairer skin type. And I do have to say, like, there's a lot of treatments that are offered to darker skins. And it's actually quite frightening because they're more high risk for complications. And it is quite frightening how there doesn't seem to be an understanding of the differences between skin of colour and fairer skin. And I think that's one of the benefits about working in London is that you get exposed to so many different varied skin types and genes and mixtures of, you know, like myself, Irish and Arab. So you you have to develop an expertise very quickly. Otherwise, you're going to run into serious problems. So I think that uh, pigmentation, microneedling combined with peels, what I love about it is that you can get great results around the eye area and dark circles and, you know, thinning skin 
Like if you can help those issues as well as the pigment, then you're onto a winner. I know. Mm. One, one of the areas people often forget about, particularly with anti-aging, is hands. Mm. Yes. Hands and décolleté. So, you know, this is another area where we often use peels. So, but we can use the same peel that we use on the face for the hands and the décolleté. Mm. You can, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the fact that when you're doing the face, the neck and the chest, you're really brightening the skin. You're bringing it back to life. And then now we have products that have very intelligent ingredients that dissolve fat, that lift the skin on your neck. So you at home can actually continue to you know, improve your skin without having to result, like, resort to surgery. What do you think is new and trending? Well... How far ahead do you want to go? I think when it comes to what I've noticed the public want is on demand. They want a service that they can literally get off their phone, you know, that they can just dial up and achieve because of our lives being so fast paced. uh, Time is always an issue, you know, in, in cities as well. And it's that instantaneous look of health that they want to be able to retrieve and if they're stressed out as well and they have an event or something to get ready for so i think the dermal planing which i remember us doing many years ago and it is similar to having yeah. it's similar to having what looks like a blade like an actual razor blade um because it shaves the skin on a very superficial level it also removes the vellus hair so I've in the last six to eight months had so many people ask me about dermal planing dermal blading and we can you know you can do things to uh, nourish the skin obviously improve the health of the skin on on a cellular level but I think that this trend for deep exfoliation it's sort of like an offshoot of microdermabrasion and you you know we've always had we've always questioned very adverse to that and if people don't know what microdermabrasion is it's a way of exfoliating the skin manually using either a crystal and some kind of suction device Uh, it's a bit like sandblasting Um, and in our sort of approach to skin because we know it's a living organ it's uh, you know it's nearly like I don't know, it goes against absolutely everything that I would consider yes. to be healthy. So um, dermal planing is one thing. But then when it comes to, you know, let's say facial treatments and what kind of things are coming about now, um, combination treatments are still on trend. So where you're able to customize, you know, based on a person's need, you might do a bit of microneedling. You might use um, some kind of LED light therapy that helps to energize the skin with a skin peel. And I actually read something today which um, surprised me, and that was the average spend of people in the UK on looking good is now up at four and a half thousand a year. And women of Leeds seem to be spending far more money. They're spending over seven thousand pounds a year on themselves. So it it sort of made me realize how much influence YouTube and some of the other platforms like Instagram has had on inspiring people to they themselves change their appearance and improve their looks with things that, you know, before we wouldn't even have considered. So multi-masking and paper masks and all the the type of uh, at-home treatments have definitely soared. How do you feel about the public doing more treatments at home? I think that we can't slow down. You know, if you go online 
Korean skincare. I think it was probably on YouTube, 500 million, you know, hits of people looking up Korean skincare. And the thing with a lot of these more science based type of ingredients is that there's always a fine line between what is good and what's bad. So I would be wary. I mean, I remember watching a YouTube once of a guy in like an animal onesie rollering his face at home and it was it was pretty gory but it gave me a fright because I could see on YouTube a lot of these deep chemical peels were also being um, demonstrated by people who were regular you know had no had no education whatsoever so I think the fact that the internet has sprung up you know we can't we can't fight that it's present it's there but I think education is still one of the most important things and then let people make an informed decision as to whether they want to do something at home themselves or to go see a professional you're listening to the beauty biz with Esther Fieldgrass what and who are doing exciting things in the industry right now? So skincare innovation has come on tremendously in the last five years. And one of the most innovative aspects of skincare is the delivery mechanisms. We underestimate how hard it is for skincare ingredients to get into the living layer of the skin. So when I'm looking at a formulation, I want tiny little molecules that are going to be able to slip through that pore and reach that living layer. So it's just become now pretty mainstream and standard that we would associate, you know, a more cosmeceutical grade product to have these delivery mechanisms. And it really makes all the difference because if you don't have delivery mechanisms, even if you're spending an absolute fortune on your skincare, it's ending up really just sitting on the surface of your skin. It's not going anywhere into the layer where we're going to be regenerating and getting new healthy skin. Okay. Tell me, what frustrates you most about the industry? It kind of goes back to this whole personalization. I know that a number of aesthetic procedures, like we've all seen Kylie Jenner's lips, for example, (laughs) and everyone went out looking for Kylie Jenner's lips and wow, they boy, did they get Kylie Jenner's lips. So that way of treating people as like what we would call that cookie cutter was one size fits all. And if you go in looking for a particular thing, you're just going to get given the same outcome as the last person that came in before you. And I don't believe in that. I believe that we all have our own quirks and our own individuality. So I would I like to do treatments that are personalized. I think they work better and I think the person looks better as a result. I couldn't agree with you more mm. on that. It's something that we do a lot within the clinics. Mm. I've been asked a number of questions by clients. I'm just going to ask you these Ooh, questions. Am I in the hot seat? You're in the hot okay, seat. Okay, I'm in the hot seat. Let's start with the controversial one. Mm. Most skincare is a case of marketing over substance, isn't it? Oh, it depends how how much you're into skincare. I believe that marketing is 70% in any business, whether it's skincare, whether you sell toilet brushes, you know, like we're all, we all need to be able to tell the world about what we do. I think that the claims that are made, this is this is kind of where science versus marketing. I think that when marketeers get hold of the science, they definitely twist and they will over exaggerate it. So, yes, you do have to read in between the lines. And, you know, I'm there's obviously a a whole sea of product out there. Um, But I would agree that to a a large extent, there is a lot of marketing involved in skincare. Yeah. 
So next question I often get asked is, what do I need to add to my routine to help my skin through the seasonal transition of summer into autumn? Uh, if you have tightness, if you're going uh, into an office environment where there's a lot of central heating, then you will lose water out of your skin more rapidly. And that accelerated water loss, you can actually stop by using vitamin A in your skincare. So I would say whatever you're doing, whether you're, you know, any type of season, if you're going from summer into the fall, into winter, definitely include a product that has vitamin A in it. And if you don't know where to get one of those, then, you know, reach out to a professional and get advice on that. Okay. Um, what do you use? Going? Personally? Yeah. Well, let's see. What did I use today? I think my face has sometimes had a little bit more than it could handle. So I, I've learned over the years that I do have limitations, that I can't go too harsh on my skin. If I, for example, after the summer see pigmentation, I'm feeling quite inspired at the moment actually to tackle my own pigmentation, which is why I'm bringing it up. Um, so I will always use a good cleanser, a good serum a nighttime product that has vitamin A in it. And once a week, I'll do microneedling and, you know, use some active ingredients like vitamin C in there. Wow. Yeah. That's the whole on. cocktail. Full on. Okay. Um, so we've, we've kind of touched on this. I think mm. you've kind of said it, but what ingredients really make a difference? Again, for most people, the ingredients list is like, oh my God, what is all this? Yeah. They don't know what to look for, what they should be looking at that they don't want in their products. Well, there's some good resources now. There's apps that you can download that give you insight into how effective and how natural your product is, like the claims versus you know the actual ingredients that are in the product. So I would say the cleansers that I see, 90% of them, if not more, have sodium lol sulfate, and that is a detergent. Uh, it's irritating to the skin. I think that the rise of women that are seeing and experiencing sensitized skin today has, you know, it's, definitely I'm coming across it more often. And I would relate it back to this use of detergents in our cleansers. So baby wipes and facial wipes, all those chemical kind of um, ways of taking away your grime and makeup off your skin is damaging. And um, I, I always use things that are natural. Um, you can find very effective natural alternatives. But when you say natural, even that in itself can confuse people. So you want to have, if you can afford it, then you want to have something that is clean. So when I, a formulation that is clean to me doesn't have sodium lol sulfate in it. And it is also going to be made from plants. There's a lot of anti-aging mm. cleansers out there with glycolic acid. And how do you feel about that? Glycolic is quite a small molecule. It's very small, actually. And it will drop down into the layer in between your what we call the epidermis, which is the outside of your skin, and the dermis, which is the mattress. So when it does that, it irritates and it creates inflammation. And inflammation will create more... Um, pigment in your skin it will create more premature aging as well so we prefer when I say we I prefer to use lactic acid uh, because it's a larger size molecule it does the job it improves hydration and it doesn't have any of the irritation so that's just my personal preference and when you're looking at antioxidants for the skin something with vitamin c or something 
Ava? We love vitamin C. It's been around for such a long time. It's one of those ingredients, though. It's like anything. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. So if you can get it in powdered form, 20%, I'd say, would be a really good starting point. And always look for what we call L-ascorbic acid, because that means that it's purified and it's going to suit your skin much better. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Aisha. It's been great having you here with us. Join us next time when we'll be talking Botox and fillers with the amazing Libby Wallace. And don't forget, if you're enjoying us on iTunes, please leave a short review and rating and subscribe if you haven't already. Many thanks. Bye for now. The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. Follow EF Medispa on Instagram. And to find out more about us, go to efmedispa.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.